Good morning. Good morning. Good to see uh, smiling faces out there and all the Christmas colors. Uh, place I came was this kind of old dull red shirt. I could have got a brighter red one. But anyway, it's good to see y'all here this morning. I'm glad it's not raining this morning. The rains are passed through, so uh, we can come to church in the dry. I don't see any visitors out there. I think I'm going to skip all the visitor stuff. Y'all all know where the bathrooms are. Um, and y'all don't know about giving. I can skip all that. We've been doing this for a long time now. This coming Wednesday, we're having a special program called Carols and Candles, 6 p.m. or 6.30. And so we hope to see all y'all there. Next Sunday, worship service will be a Neil Oldham. And there will be no circles following that next Sunday. And also the following Wednesday, which is the 29th, will be no midweek service. Uh, due to y'all's faithful giving to missions, we had enough extra money above our budget. We were able to send a $500 check to for storm damage relief to the people up through from Arkansas up through Kentucky that got severe tornado damage. So thank you for your faithful giving. I wanted to read something before we go on to the next part of our service. We're here today to praise God, aren't we? That's what we come to church on Sunday for. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. That's Luke 1, 46 and 47. Praise is a spontaneous response of a grateful child of God in His presence. The person who knows God and experiences Him in intimately sings to the Lord with deepest praise. Mary was overwhelmed by the Lord's goodness to her. In response, she sang one of the most beautiful and profound songs of praise found in Scripture. Trying to stop the praise of a thankful heart would be like trying to arrest the flow of a mighty waterfall. God created us to praise Him. Praise will be our activity when we are gathered around His throne in heaven. I suppose y'all knew that, didn't you? You should never have difficulty thinking of reasons why God deserves your praise. You should enjoy the times you have to praise your Lord, both privately and publicly, in worship. If your life is not filled with praise, it may be that you have lost your appreciation for God's merciful activity in your life. Never forget what God has saved you from. Never take for granted what it means to have the assurance of eternity with God. Do not disregard the spiritual kinship you enjoy with other believers. That's what we're here today for worshiping together. Take time often to recount the blessings He has poured out upon you and your family. As you contemplate the boundless love and mercy God has shown you, you will want to sing His praises as Mary did. Spontaneous praise is authentic praise. It does not have to be in the middle, manipulated or orchestrated. It is real and personal experience, expression of grateful heart and wonderful life that has encountered a holy God. Because of your generous contributions uh, to Brother Carvin Adams, Guatemala orphan and their nannies, I received a, a message from him this week in, t in telling exactly how they used that beautiful gift that we shared with them. 
they had a huge, big inflatable slide that the children just had a blast on. And a Santa Claus came and they had a pizza party. And for the nannies, they gave them new backs, uh, backs, backs, thank you, backpacks. And, uh, and then there was enough money left for each of them to get $91 cash. So they were very thrilled and I wanted to report and let you know how blessed they were because you blessed their hearts. Let's join together. <laughs> Amen to that, Barbara. <laughs> Won't you stand with us as we begin our, our worship service this morning singing, Let Us Adore Him. Sometimes God calms the storm, and sometimes He lets the storm rage and calms His child. Praise God for His peace that goes beyond our understanding. The Eternal is my light amidst my darkness and my rescue in times of trouble. So, whom shall I fear? He surrounds me with the fortress of protection, so nothing could cause me alarm. When my enemies advanced to devour me alive, they tripped and fell flat on their faces into the soil. When the armies of the Lord enemy surround me, I will not be afraid. When death calls for me in the midst of war, my soul is confident and unmoved. I am pleading with the eternal for this one thing, my soul's desire, to live with him all my days in the shadow of his temple so behold his beauty and ponder, his ways in the company of his people. His house is my shelter and secret retreat. It is there I find peace in the midst of storm and turmoil. Safety sets with me in the hiding place of God. He will let, set me on a rock high above the fray. God lifts me high above those with thoughts of death and deceit that call for my life. I will enter his presence, 
offering sacrifices and praise. In his house I am overcome with joy as I sing, yes, and play music for the eternal alone. Psalms 27, 1 through 6. Our prayer, we thank God for loving us and sending his son for us to be saved. Uh, we are forever grateful for his love. We're going to enjoy some beautiful Christmas carols this morning. But before we start, I was wondering how observant everyone was this morning. Did you notice Miss Santa Claus come in this morning? I declare this Miss Shirley Kay is Santa Claus. <laughs> we welcome you during this season, sweetie. If you're able, why don't you stand with us? And if any time during these songs you feel like you need to sit down, please go ahead. Let's join together and I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Steps and so 
join together on Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Not doing a great job out there. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Join the triumph of the tribe with endless proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn King. You don't get to go back there. I know you, your feet is going to walk out there with that, that music. Before we go to prayer, we need to go over these prayer requests. Molly, and I have a good report. That, hey, there he is. Praise the Lord. Our prayers are answered. I'd heard a report that he was feeling a lot better, so thank you, Lord. Sandy Adams, Jerry Crane, Lonnie Swan, Barbara Powell. And the victims of the tornado. We're fortunate here. Monroe has been spared all the years I've lived. We've never had a tornado hit Monroe. And it's like God's got his hand of protection. I hope he keeps it there. <laughs> but y'all seen the television, televised devastation. It's hard to understand. But keep them in your prayers. And like I said, we are sending 500 to help restore their well to help with the problems there but um, Marie and L.B. Honeycutt we do have a Christ birthday offering today uh, our candles and carol service this Wednesday night keep your, our search team in your prayers as good as our services have been we do need a shepherd of our flock our COVID situations We've got a lot of people traveling over the holidays. Keep them in your prayers and our shut-ins. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for 
a beautiful day to come together to worship you. Be with us in this service, Lord. Be with Ray as he breaks the word, word of life to us. Give him the words that we need to hear. And Lord, be with all of these requests for prayer. We thank you for those that have been answered. But there's still many people out there suffering. Need your healing touch. Be with all those people that have lost their homes and loved ones. The devastation up through the Northeast. Get them, Lord, to realize that you're still in control. We pray, Lord, that some good will come from all this. That you're in control, Lord, so you work that out. Be with us throughout this Christmas season that we will keep in mind what the reason for it is. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Y'all don't, I don't need to introduce Ray to you, but uh, before he comes up and speaks to us, we have a special by Rachel.
let's check that out. Perfect. I'm going to move this. I hope it doesn't make a lot of noise here. If I could. There we go. Well, that was good. Rachel did that because actually I had thought about the fact that I thought about the fact that I need to share something about making sure we put Christ in Christmas. And if you don't have any um, maybe traditions, or you have traditions and it's time for new traditions, you would do that. And uh, actually, the message originally I was going to speak today had a lot of those in there. I had a whole page of things of suggestions to start new traditions or make sure we put Christ in Christmas. Uh, that song was really uh, right along that way. Whether you're watching uh, the miracle of 34th Street for the 34th time or whatever, uh, but definitely making sure that, that the Lord's part of it and you have some family traditions. So yesterday I was uh, in a wedding, at a wedding, and uh, there was one baby there. The baby was the uh, daughter of the matron of honor. And uh, dad was one of the ushers and had ushered the baby down. And the baby made its presence known at the, at the wedding. A beautiful little nine-month-old girl. And I'm not going to tell you who it is because many of you know who that was. But um, beautiful venue in Ruston, wedding venue. Um, but afterwards, of course, everybody at the reception kind of would walk around, and there's this beautiful little baby girl, um, and everybody would say, so what's her name? Now, it's pretty bad when you say, what's her name, and it's a boy. Luckily, it was definitely a girl, and you could tell. Have you, how many of you have to be honest, you couldn't tell sometimes? Yeah. Maybe you women, you got some kind of gift or something, but I'm like, oh my gosh. So then you just go, what's its name? <laughs> but y'all all have heard, oh, what's its name? Well, that's what I titled the message uh, today. And you have your outline there with the scripture and the text. Um, you know, each baby has a unique name. Uh, today, most babies have three names. You know, we, we have the first name, usually a middle name. Um, and of course, the surname or the last name. And then nowadays we got hyphenated names and we got cultural names and we got all kinds of names that folk, folks uh, add in there. Well, this Christmas, this week actually, Saturday, we celebrate uh, Christmas and, you know, celebrate Christ. And I was researching how many names in the Bible have been given to Jesus. And we won't cover all of these because there's 198 names or titles. I knew there were 30 because in our church, as you know, my wife Dana is very creative and, and a decorator. She redid the foyer of the church. Next time we have a unity service post-COVID, you, you could maybe see it. But there's 30 names built into a cross on the wall. And I knew there were 30. I didn't know 198. But Cruden's Concordance that was written in, 19, in 1737 and is still in being published today has come up with 198 names uh, and titles for Jesus. And here's the cool thing. Each name has meaning. Each name has application. Each name has something uh, for us today. And so uh, that's what I want to share, just three names with you. And I think there's seven blanks there if you want to fill them in. 
um, or get the person next to you to fill them in, we can do that as we go through this. I want to start with reading the text today, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. I'll read it out of the New International Version there on your outline. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with, the, with a child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, there's a lot going through everybody's mind. And Lord, you know what we face, you know what is going on, you know the circumstances, the emotional state, you know exactly where we are. And Lord, there's no condemnation in your son Jesus. There's no condemnation in this place. There's your presence. And we come with what we are and what we have to worship you, to honor you, and to adore you. And today we focus on the greatest gift that has ever been given in the universe. Your son, Jesus Christ, who had to abandon heaven leave everything that he knew and was and all that he had to come down and be a baby. And Father, just to think the first smells, the things that Jesus went through in his whole life, and the only reason was love. What a gift. Lord, we know we never can repay it. We just want today to honor you hear what your word has to say to us and speak to us. So now, Lord, we give you permission to speak to us, to challenge us, to encourage us. Lord, may we just feel your spirit move in and through us and around us. And Lord, can we lay aside any spirit of condemnation, anything that Satan tries to bring up, let's just set it aside. And Lord, I pray that your blessings, your peace from the Prince of Peace would be with us all. And everyone who agrees says. So, what's his name? What's his name? The first name is Emmanuel. You notice I spell it with an I. Actually, Priscilla and I had a little talk about that. Uh, a lot of people think it's an E. Well, actually in Hebrew, uh, it translates with an I. And in Greek, it translates with an E. So Greek is actually a translation of a translation. So there's no wrong, but 
the most accurate way, if you look in Isaiah and in any of your versions, it's an I, Emmanuel, God with us, even though I know it's an E on many songs and in other ways. And the scripture there from Isaiah says, All right then, the Lord Himself will choose the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So, Emmanuel, the first blank there, the first point, first name, means God is with us. Now, what does this mean? This means to me that God's with us forever. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. I shared Wednesday night. There is absolutely no place you can go to get away from God's love. Nowhere. Psalms 139, you can literally go to hell. You can go to the place of death, some translations say. So even, and I've been with people on the deathbed. I've seen some pretty amazing things speaking and being with people when they pass away. Some not as, as dynamic or whatever. Some may be tragic. But boy, a saint passing. Have you heard the scripture that, what is it, blessing? Blessing, blessed is the passing of a saint. I've been in a hospital room at Glenwood and seen oh, about two in the morning a lady literally almost rise. Not levitate, but I went, wow, I was reading the Psalms to her or something, or maybe I just stopped and looked at her. And then she kind of fell down and there was peace and she was gone. I mean, it's as if I saw it, you know, uh, it meant something to me. You cannot go anywhere. Well, I'm in a bad place, Pastor. I'm, you know, I've got this problem. I'm, I'm, last night I was at a bar. I was in the back parking lot. I didn't want to embarrass anybody at Cypress Street, you know, whatever. You think God wasn't there? You can't go anywhere. Because here's the thing. God created you, allowed you to be born in your mother's womb, knit all your genetics together to make you just how you are. And I've already shared that, nose and all. And he thinks it's good, and he will never, ever, 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 ever abandon you. You can't get away from him. In fact, people that want to get away from him, it says, will ask for the mountains to fall on them. And that's not going to work. A mountain's nothing. The earth is nothing compared to God. But let's embrace that. That you can, in fact, we talked about Wednesday night about prayer without ceasing. We talked about the fact that God's with you all the time. And you literally, you don't go everywhere you go. And I'm talking to Dale and I'm going to thank you, Jesus. And bless the Lord. And bless the people. Be with Marlon. Be with Donna. Be with, you know, who or whatever. No. It's that you're in a spirit of prayer. You're communicating. That's all prayer is. With God 24-7 all the time because he's always there. He's always there. And I tell you what, it helps you. I know because I've taught so many students and spoken so much, you know, sometimes you just want to go somewhere where somebody doesn't know you. I've been shopping before, and then, I mean, like, all the way. I better shop good and be in the right part of the store because the clerk checking me out or the person walking by goes, hey, Dr. Owens, hey, Brother Ray, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's the, I got a better one. God's with you all the time. So you can be in the woods. You know, you can be anywhere. And he's there. And that's both accountability, but that's positive. 
And I thought about that. Hebrews 13.5, for God said, I, I think I have some those scriptures all listed for you there, so you can look them up later if you want to. For God has said, I will never fail you, I will never forsake you. One version says, I will never, I think the NLT, I will never abandon you. Deuteronomy has the story where Moses talks to Joshua and says, God's promised as we pass this off before you go in the promised land, I will not abandon you. I will never forsake you. That promise. And I just want to ask you, have you ever been abandoned? I read a story, and some of you probably heard about it. I think it's called the Hatbox Lady or Baby, Hatbox Baby. Uh, Sharon Elliott, 90 years ago, Christmas Eve, and it was 1931, uh, a family was, a, a, a couple, young couple was driving through the desert, um, I believe in Nevada, it may have been Utah, they were driving through and they got a flat tire. And so as the car was broke down, the husband, and by the way, I don't know if you know, some of you older folks know this, we used to actually have flat tires. Yeah. They happen occasionally. Just like Dale said, there wasn't a tornado, but the airport would disagree with you, by the way, Dale. It was only about two years ago. But my point is, we didn't have anybody die. We didn't have anything like that. We have some trees that flew around, some planes and all that. But here's what I'm saying. You know, so this, this lady, they had a flat tire. You know, one of these tires, flat, he's changing it. And a woman starts wandering around, which, by the way, probably wasn't the smartest thing at night in the desert, wandering around. They have these rattlesnakes and things like that. But she was wandering around and she heard something and they began to listen. And there was a crying, they went. Story goes, she found a baby in a big hat box. You know, like one of them hats that certain ladies wear. I don't see anybody. <laughs> Sister Carolyn, where's your hat? <laughs> Y'all know some churches have church ladies with hats. You know what I'm saying? We need to bring that back. Okay, so anyway, they find this baby. And they take it, gets adopted, was raised, and 55 years later, her name's Sharon Elliott, she found out, I don't know why they waited, that she was adopted. And the story, she'd been abandoned. And you can Google it and study it and research it, it's a pretty cool story, but the point is, it really caused, as you would imagine, a big a searching and void in her life to think these are my parents and they raised her wonderfully. You know, they loved her. Um, the mom that had adopted her had to get remarried, but the stepdad was wonderful. All that was good, but she wondered why was I abandoned? That was the story. So she enlisted the help of a, a reporter who really took it on much younger. And just before she passed away, uh, he was able to find out through DNA and tremendous amounts of research, and despite the, the new family not wanting to have anything to do with it, who her, her parents were and how that worked. It was, it was kind of miraculous. And it was kind of shocking for her. It was a pretty rough uh, story. And, uh, and, and then after she died, more information came out. But I thought about that, and I, and I thought about, have you ever been abandoned? Maybe by your parents? We have some kids that come to our church that are adopted, some in foster care, some that whether they abandoned them or didn't take care of them or whatever that's involved. Some have been abandoned by their spouse. Some have been abandoned by their children. Some of us that are older and our kids are gone. You know, some kids, 
as long as the money ain't flowing, they ain't coming by, you know, you get you run into that. I deal with that a lot. We've all probably been abandoned by friends. So, sure, we've probably all been abandoned, but the Bible says God will never, ever abandon you. Everybody else might, and here's the thing, you might even not feel like God is around. And that doesn't matter. <laughs> That's not important. It's not just how you feel. Thank goodness we live by faith, not by feelings. If you live by feelings, you're going to die by feelings. And if you live by faith, you're going to die by faith. And I want to die by faith. And, and, and you do too. But just because you don't feel some way is no indication that God's not there. Matthew 28, 20 says, Jesus himself, some of the last words he says, And lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. When everything else is gone, guess what? I'm there. I'm there for you. So we can't go anywhere to get away from him. And even at the end of the age, he's going to be there for us. And I have faith in that. I can't wait to stand before him. I don't really want to stand before God alone. I want to stand before God with Jesus Christ as my attorney. How about you? Look, he made a lot of mistakes, but he's mine. <laughs> I, want, I want to hear that. I want to hear, well done. You're covered by me. I've got, well, well, sit down, Ray. Don't say nothing. You got it. It'll be one of the few times that this boy will be speechless. Y'all remember the song, uh, I Can Only Imagine? Will I be able to speak at all? I bet you nobody will be able to speak. If you do, it'll be, blah, 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 blah. you know, it won't be, it'll be tongues. Finally, we'll get some tongues going on. My point is, no, he said, I've got this. And there goes the Son of God. Isn't that awesome? Wow. I'm excited about that. And lo, I will be with you till the end of the age. Now, I want to be tender and be fair. God hates loneliness. God understands what it means to be alone. Genesis 2.18 Right there in the early part says it's not good for man to be alone. And we use that in weddings. You know? God doesn't want us to be alone. God created you and I to need people. And those of us in the people business all the time, yes, we steal away. Jesus still, still uh, you know, went away, spent time away. And you need to do that. You need to have quiet time. You need to have time I don't know where it is in your house where you can lock the door and lock the other door and the kids are five doors away or the neighbors take them or and you get an appointment and you schedule. Yes, you need that. But here's what I'm trying to say. As a whole, we need one another. We need friends. We definitely need the body of Christ. We need other people to sharpen us, to challenge us, to love us. Nobody like a brother or sister you know, in the Lord that loves us, cares for us, you know, our parents, but sometimes we want people our own age. And yes, God's with us all the time, but sometimes we need God with skin on, don't we? Somebody to love us, to hug us, to touch us, to challenge us. We all need that. And not just, I just want the church to just hug me and love me and tell me how wonderful I am. You need that. And church, we all need to be better at that. Let me say that right off the bat. I have learned the secret. A church 
that's full of people that love one another and strive to love people, that's awesome. But we also need somebody that will challenge us once in a while and say no. It's just like if you love your kid and I'll never tell my baby no. What kind of baby will you have? What will they grow up to be if you never told them no? Okay, we call them, absolutely correct, spoil rotten brats. That's the scientific term. They will never be employable. No one, they'll never be able to have a job. Only in the United States can you even live because the government will take care of you. You know, in a few other countries. You know, they wouldn't make it in some places where they actually had to be employed and work. In other words, it's terrible. And I, in my practice, have had the, un, you know, the not so much of a privilege to meet several of these who the parents never told them no. You know, if your child's up at a stove, you're going to tell them no because you don't want them to get burnt. If there's a street, you say you don't run across and play in the street. No. And if they do, you might grab them and spank them while you, I love you too much to ever. You know, that's when you're really upset when you, but you spank between each. Yes, I said spank. I'm sorry, but it's biblical. In the right way, in love, while you use syllables like, hey, I love you too much, you scared me to death. <laughs> the altar should be full this morning. God created you and I to need people. And regardless of how many friends we have, I want to tell you, if you don't have Jesus Christ in a personal relationship and make peace with God through His Son, you can have all the friends in the world, you can be top on the charts, you can be on TV all the time, and you still have a void in your heart. Because there's one loneliness that only God can feel. And I base that on facts. I've known a few, had the privilege to know a few famous people. And by the way, they're no different than anybody else. And most of them honestly are hurting. They really are. Think of how many have committed suicide. Think of how many have, you know, done crazy things. I mean, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're just hurting. They, they, they've got to be, that, that's where it is. But when you're filled with the Lord and you know the Lord God loves you and even if you feel like I had better plans for my life, this isn't who I wanted to be with, you know, you get in those weird moments and get all psycho about it and probably need Jesus to go, I love you too much, <laughs> you know, to do in your life. And even in those moments when you get crazy and all that, don't you realize God loves you as a plan for your life, created you, and really at any point we can be restored in that. You know what I'm saying? And we place a lot of uh, credit on being in a movie or in Hollywood or, or whatever. I, my goodness, is there any higher calling than being a loving mother, a loving, faithful father? A church member, even if we're alone, you know, so, still loving, still serving. And you go, well, I can't do much. And I totally understand when the body falls apart. But let me tell you what you can do. You get down on your knees and you can pray for people. 
And when names come to you, even if you're driving, don't get down on your knees, but pray for people. Prayer is not waste. I'll tell you what, I think the world's probably been held together by prayer warriors. Prayer warriors. The Christmas story tells us good news because of the birth of Jesus. You know God is with you and you're never going to face anything alone. I'm never facing anything alone. God is near, so there's really not much to fear. If God's with you, he's got your back. It's not much to worry about. Think about little David and a bear and lions and all those things coming up. And he was so close to God in his heart, he wasn't fearful. You know? And that was all preparing him for when he faced this ginormous man called Goliath. And so he just pokes out the same stones he's been pulling out. You know, he's prepared. Wow. I got a quote at the uh, barely in there right below that. And it says, at times you may not feel like God is with you, but God's presence in your life has nothing to do with your feelings. Do you understand that? Logically, God's presence in your life has nothing to do with your feelings. So this week as we celebrate the miracle of God's love and we think about for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Remember God abandoned heaven. He abandoned so that we're not abandoned. He came here to be here for us. Amen. So Emmanuel is a cool name. Probably it's cool it started. It's cool it's one of the first names. Because it means God is with us. And that ought to encourage us. Number two, a Savior has been born in Bethlehem. Luke 2.11, we all love Luke. It's an amazing story. It says, a Savior, yes, the Messiah, another name, the Lord, another name, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And most of us have heard the words, he was saved, she was saved, right? We've heard that. What does that mean? I read a story a while back Rick Warren had written in one of his books about his oldest uh, child, Amy, when she was three and a half. And it was, they were driving in California and uh, where they were at, usually you don't have to have air conditioning. And it was a very, very hot day and the windows were down and she uh, finally uh, hung her head out the window and uh, being three and a half, she wanted to get out of the car seat, but there's no hope. She couldn't get out of the car seat. So she threw her head out the window and screamed, please God, get me out of this. And so Amy needed a savior. She, could, she was in a predicament. She couldn't get out by herself. It was hot. She was frustrated. Thank goodness she was raised by a pastor, and that's what she said. Uh, but she was, well, she needed somebody to free her. And you know, maybe we've been a point in life, and I know I have, and you probably have, and if you haven't, you may yet going to be in a point in life where you want to wring your head out the window and say, please God, save me from this. Get me out of this. The good news is, your hoping and my hoping that someone will save us and free us is God has a plan for salvation. And on your outline, I've kind of did it in three dimensions. You're saved from something. Yes, you're saved from eternal death or separation from God, right? We're saved from that. We're saved from hell, yes. We're saved from hurts, habits, and hangups on this side of glory. 
we, we get, when we get saved, all things are new, right? Right? So we can get saved and then go through life, maybe struggle again, maybe not make a good decision, maybe even making honest and good decisions and striving to follow God, right? And then all of a sudden we find that we got a habit, a problem, an issue. We can't have problems. We have an issue or whatever, and guess what? God is still wanting to save us on this side to become more like Him. In fact, we talked about that Wednesday night. ABC, you know, accept, believe, confess for saving, but also ABC for us, always becoming Christ. We're always, I don't care if you're 90 years old, 100 years old, 30 years old, we always should be becoming more like Christ. So salvation is alive on this side, so we're saved from something. And that gives me hope when I struggle with something, when I struggle with anything. Secondly, you're saved for something. I love this. A lot of folks think that we're just saved from hell. You know, that's it. That's a, praise the Lord. That's a very low level understanding of what salvation is. We're saved for something. God saves us and gives us a purpose. In fact, if you will, remember Mission Impossible? If you will accept this mission, and then the tape, you know, if you will accept the mission of salvation, you will be appointed an ambassador. Say, what? Have y'all read the, you are not, we, we move from being just subservient to being Jesus's friend, and then at one point, he says, I want to appoint you an ambassador. In other words, you go for me, you represent me, and since I represent the Father, you represent the Father. So to people in the line at Walmart who tend to have more tendency to struggle with being a jerk, okay, when they're, it's like they're good people but they get in line at Walmart and there are no checkers, that's part of the pre-jerk setup. And you know, by the time you get to the end, and you love on them, you're friendly to them, you bless on them, you follow what I'm saying, you are an ambassador. When you love unlovely people, and you know that it's hard to love some people, there are people that are love challenged, very love challenged. In fact, I almost hear the Lord saying, with, you know, when they were casting out demons, with some, he told the disciples, with some it takes much prayer and fasting. There are some people that take much prayer and fasting. Does anybody know somebody like that? Don't, don't, not that you're sitting by them. Don't, don't do that. Sure you do. God has appointed us ambassadors. Wow, we're saved for something. And finally, you're saved by something. It's not because of my lineage. I was listening this morning. I put the phone as I was getting ready to shower, TMI, and I <laughs> hit Matthew chapter 2. And I, I, chapter 1, and I was listening to the lineage of Jesus. Did you know the lineage of Jesus has some amazing people in it? But it's also got some people that were of ill repute, were not very good in the world's eyes. 
But you know what? God came from everybody. He saves everybody. And Rahab used what she had to save the spies. Y'all remember? You remember the story? All, all these people, you, you study their life. It's not your lineage. You're not saved by your lineage. You're not saved by who you are. I should have turned out better than I, I did, you know, if you go by that. No, you're saved by grace. In fact, I have on, on your outline Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 listed there. It says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, believing, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So we're saved as a gift of God by grace, a gift. Isn't that awesome? It's a gift. Salvation is a gift, not by work so that nobody can boast. In other words, we don't earn our way to heaven. We couldn't get to heaven no matter how good our lineage was, how perfect we've been. Remember the rich young ruler? He was pretty perfect. You can't do it. God has saved us by his grace, his gift. So he sent Jesus with the whole time of knowing the gift of salvation would be there for us and we have a purpose. Isn't that awesome? Wow, that ought to excite somebody, at least two people. Why do we give gifts at Christmas? Because Santa Claus? Where did gifts start with? Some people say it was due to the Magi. You know, bringing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How many of you have given gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Now, if you've been watching any of the commercials, have they not had the weirdest? I, I don't watch a lot of TV. I, I, many of you know I'm insanely into deer management, and I watch some of the outdoor channel. And, but I do watch some of the football games. And, uh, and so you're watching them, and they have had the craziest cologne commercials this year. You know, and some guy looks a lot like me diving in, you know, to the, <laughs> you know, and he's, and he's gals and all this stuff. And, and like, and you're going, what is that? And the, finally at the end it says, Christian Dior, blah, blah, blah. and I go, oh, it's some of that smelling stuff. You know what I mean? And, and y'all don't even know who they are. So obviously I don't run out and get it. Have you, have you seen that? I mean, how crazy that is? Well, well. Really, where do gifts come from? It's because God gave us life, the fact we breathe. God's given us this beautiful world. God's given us his son, the gift of gifts. That's what it really is. And God has given us the gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the family of God, the gift of family, a little bit of God with clothes on it. Yeah, at times like little devils that we have to help get back on the God side. But God has blessed us so much. God started the giving. A lifeguard will tell you that if they're going to try to save somebody truly drowning, if they jump in and get them while they're trying to save themselves, what happens? They're going in too. They have to wait to the right time. They'll swim out there near them, and when they finally get to where they're kind of, you know, I don't know if it's the third time under or what, any lifeguards here, whatever point you're supposed to. But all I know is when they're through fighting themselves and they give up, guess what? The lifeguard grabs them, you know, and does the thing we've all been trained and swims them back. God wants to save us. I thought of that illustration, but we cannot 
be trying to save ourselves. And I believe in this audience and on the, at home on the internet, there are some of us that sometimes want to save ourselves and fix it first. God, I got to clean this up a good bit before I get you involved. Kind of like, well, you know, like we're sitting here and we say, Jesus, no, 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 you sit down. I've got this. And we start for a little while in front of the judgment seat, you know. And maybe that's a noble intent. I want to do everything I can do. Kind of the attitude, God helps those who help themselves attitude. I understand the pride in that. I understand the good in that. But here's what I'm going to say. We've got to, this morning, this Christmas, let go and let God do a work. Quit trying to analyze it. I think by faith it would be great on Christmas Day if all of us could kind of be children in faith and let go in our minds, quit trying to save ourselves, quit trying to figure everything out, quit trying to judge everybody else and know it all or whatever, and just let go and be with God and celebrate this gift of gifts, a Savior. You and I need a Savior. If you don't think you and I need a Savior in January, a bunch of people around the world will do New Year's resolutions. Guess by 30 days in, how many people are still doing their New Year's resolutions? Not very many. Now, I, let me say this. I admire you if you want to do your New Year's resolution. Go for it. You might have two good weeks, okay? Or maybe two good months or whatever. And there are wonderful things to do, like read the Bible in a year, you know, or, or whatever those are. But I want to tell you, you and I need a Savior because we can't even do a New Year's resolution the whole time. And I think it's an important point I want to make. I wrote this down. God never wastes his energy. He doesn't waste effort on things that are unnecessary. And if God thought you and I needed a Savior and he gave us one, he didn't give us one because we didn't need it. Do you follow what I'm saying? In other words, we need a Savior. Let's take it. Let's accept it. Amen. Do you think you need a Savior? I need a Savior. Amen. Amen. If you don't need a Savior... God bless your heart. <laughs> Thirdly, you are to name him Jesus, God saves. By the way, Jesus is an English version of Yahshua and the Hebrew original version of that. I was reading online where some guy was going, there's no way Jesus is Savior. Jesus was never mentioned in the Old Testament. And that's true, but Yeshua was, you know. <laughs> And he was called Messiah, and he was going to be born of a virgin. And there's about 500 uh, prophecies that's been fulfilled and all kinds of things about it. But the name Jesus is very powerful. It means God saves. In Luke 131, you will become pregnant to Mary and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. In Matthew 121, Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. Paul understood this whole process that I was talking about with salvation and trying to be what you want to be and on our own making it. And I have that uh, in Romans 7, 24, I think, excuse me, I moved the outline there so I can see. In Romans 7, 24, 25, there on your outline. And it says, I've tried, this is the message, 7, 24. I've tried everything and nothing helps. This is Paul. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one that can do anything for me? 
The answer, thank God, is Jesus Christ. He can and he does. I love that. Jesus Christ can help us when we get into those circumstances, when we get into those situations, and the name, the answer is Jesus. It's that simple. It's Jesus. A lot of people, including us, look for salvation, including church folks, in all the wrong places. We all look for maybe a significant other in all the wrong places, and there's songs about it, right? Uh, but sometimes we look for the answer and solution for peace in all the own, wrong places. If I have heard this a million times, if I could just get married, everything would be all right. And then the same, the next client coming in that I'm counseling, if I could just get rid of that man or woman and get a divorce, everything would be all right. And I'm like, could y'all get together <laughs> and we could have a married divorce or whatever it would be? You know, in other words, if just this would happen, if I had a million dollars, I've had three students, y'all know I taught at ULM for 30 years, adjunct, and three students won the lottery. And I don't know about one, but two of them, it ruined their life. Got a divorce, found out they had cousins and friends they didn't even know. It really, uh, you know, all these things. You, you think, do you think if you just had a million more dollars than you got now or whatever it would be that, that suddenly everything would be wonderful? No, you'd have a whole new set of problems. Well, pastor, let's go for it. <laughs> if I had a new job, if I'd just get that promotion, I just want you to know this, I've had every job just about there is because I'm a workaholic and usually running three or four at the same time. And when you were down there and you were a nobody and just happy doing it, that's one thing. And then you can be over the whole thing and the whole world and have so many employees and so much responsibility. And up there you're going, and you can come to work whenever you want to. You can leave whenever you want to. The only problem is you have so much responsibility you never can. And you're going, I just want to go back down there and sweep the floor. Isn't it funny how we want to go somewhere, you know? If I get a college degree, well, I've got four of them. That don't give you peace. If I have a new home, I've got a home that's on the cover of a magazine. And I'll be honest, I don't think we're as happy in it, in it particularly the first several years, as we were in that small house in Treasure Island. The house doesn't do it. You know, it, 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 it's crazy. If I'd have a baby, or for some, if I get rid of my kids, if they're, they're 40, if they just leave, you got a lot to look forward to. If you got three or four, you can publicly apologize and come forward and go ahead and get victory now because you're going to need it. We look for salvation and self-help books. By the way, this time of year, and 1st of January, self-help books, they fly off the shelf. And I mean, some of them are good. Dave Ramsey a lot, has a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff out there. We look for it in therapy. There's diets that we look for solutions, vacations, and medication. We look for salvation in all the different ways. We look for peace in all the different ways. And I'm here to tell you the answer is Jesus, a baby born in a manger, the gift of gift, the King of kings. That's the answer. And y'all all seen the thing, no, no Jesus, no peace. And then the K-N-O, no Jesus, no peace. And today we celebrate the candle of peace, right? In a few moments we'll sing Silent Night. I think that we should have a silent night this 
uh, Friday. I don't know if you do Friday or Saturday or Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or when, how you do it, but I think there needs to be a time when we really know that Jesus really is the reason of the season. Acts 4.12 also uh, says, and I think I left that off your outline, there's salvation in no one else. There's no other name in all of heaven for people to call for them to be saved. So the Bible says the same thing. You're not going to get salvation. You're not going to get any uh, peace under any other name than Jesus. And in Philippians 2.10, so at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we know that's true, but we all want to confess it on this side and get all the benefits on this side. Amen? And in Luke verse two, um, chapter 2, verse 10, it's on your outline. The angels always say, don't be afraid, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy to the shepherds. And I was doing a little research. There are 365 messages from God in the Bible that basically say, fear not. Every time an angel appears, fear not's there. Okay? Every time. Because angels, you know, if a person shows up and they're burning and on fire and glowing and it, you're going to probably need to hear fear not, you know. Uh, yet angels can, can take form of a person. Uh, I've got, had some stories of that and experienced that. So they can. But here's the thing. A message in the Bible for every day of the year from God to say fear not. I'm going to be bold. Not cutting anybody down that struggles with anxiety and fear. But I do want to tell you this. God sent us a gift, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, to set aside all our fears. You say, well, I'm not good enough. I'm, I told you earlier when I prayed, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. When we get in Christ, we don't need to fear. Well, I, I, I'm facing this big test. I'm facing this. You're never alone. What do you want to fear? God's with you. I wish sometimes he could kind of show up and sort of, sort of see him, or at least we see him maybe, and other people don't see him. I wish we could see. I, I know you can get to the point you can feel his presence. I, I've been with people, and I've prayed with people when prayer warriors got on their knees in this country and missionaries in the other country or whatever, guess what? They felt the presence of God. So it's not even around, you don't have to be in the same town. I shared with a group how 5,000 men got saved at Promise Keepers at the Superdome and the guy presenting the salvation thing was terrible. He did a terrible job. And it was just terrible. And yet 5,000 got saved and I felt God's spirit move. You just felt it from the top of the Superdome. I guess it had to start at the top of the Superdome and really clean it out, you know, and get all the, you know, spirit out of it from uh, all the stuff. But here's the thing. There were 5,000 people in the extra room praying at that moment. You're never alone. The family of God, it's awesome. It's great. So you don't need to be afraid. Jesus is saying, I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you. 
So today we need to ask the Prince of Peace to really rule in, in our life so there's no fear. I want to close as the worship team comes up and we prepare to sing this beautiful carol and song. I want to ask you a question. Is it possible to have peace everywhere? You know, the Bible talks about you always have war, rumors of war. Is it possible to have peace? Is it a pipe dream? I think it's possible. Is it possible to have peace toward men? I think it's possible, but y'all have heard this. There will never be peace in the world till there's peace in the nations or the country. There's never going to be peace in the United States until there's peace in our, in our states and in our communities, right? And there's never going to be peace in our communities until there's peace in our families, and I believe that with all my heart. And there's never going to be peace in our families until there's peace in individuals' lives, right? And so there's never going to be peace in individuals until there's what? The Prince of Peace in our heart in a personal relationship with Him. So what is this salvation that I talk about with Jesus saves? It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So if all of us accepted that peace and people that we're ambassadors to and encourage accept that peace in our community, first in our home and then our in community, then guess what? Do you think we wouldn't have peace on earth and goodwill to all men? We need the Prince of Peace in our heart. That's where it starts. And it can never happen out there till it happens in here. I believe that with all of my heart. Parents, I want to tell you this. Missionaries, pastors, parents, your most precious disciples are your children. You start right where you live and right where you're home. And then you reach out, y'all know the Great Commission, you reach out to anyone and everyone. But let's always love those at home. So this Friday night, this Saturday, and if you're alone, I pray you turn on the music, let the Spirit flow and let Jesus come in and be there, or get on the phone and call somebody. This Christmas, let the Prince of Peace still away, have a solid time and let the Prince of Peace come in individually into your heart. Renew your salvation. Renew your commitment. And accept the gift of gifts. Amen. Let's sing. Won't you join us?
Y'all can be seated just a minute. Brother Ray, would you come up, please? appreciate everything that you do with us, the support that you give to our church and our church family throughout the year. And we just got a token of appreciation oh, for you. Well, you guys are very easy to love. Yeah. <laughs> You're not mad yourself. Uh, you really are. Merry Christmas to Thank you, you. Family. Seriously, I tell everybody, all the pastor candidates, all the people, this is a wonderful church, wonderful people. Don't blow it, okay? <laughs> Don't make me have to do this when I talk to them, okay? <laughs> Love you guys. If I had taken time to introduce Ray while ago, uh, I could have told you he came from a long line of pastors. Y'all know his father, but his great-grandfather was known as Fighting Bob Owens. He probably would take sinners, I love you too much, <laughs> to let you live like you're living. <laughs> I don't know how you got the name Fighting Bob Owens. Okay. Anyway, let's uh, have a closing prayer. And uh, see, LB and Marie, where, where are y'all? Okay, I didn't see y'all before, so see, that's another answer to prayer. Amen. Someone was praying for it. They're on our prayer list, and they show up at church. Let's close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this service. We pray, Lord, that we'll go out and share your name with the people that we come in contact with. Let them know they have a Savior who loves them and is always with them. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. Amen. Amen.